0: We here at The Other Ship Podcast would like to dedicate this episode to the memory of Mark Allen Snyderhan. Rest in peace, Mark.
1: Welcome back to The Other Ship, hopefully your new favorite everything podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Spiker, and with us tonight are our producer extraordinaire, math teacher extraordinaire, pretty much everything extraordinaire you could think of. Michael T.S. Herrick. Aloha. We have Big Bill Merriweather in the house with us.
2: That's a 10-4, rubber ducky.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have Mr. Transformer himself, Drew Reed. Hola, muchachos. And with us again this week, our special guest, very popular co-host, one of my very favorite people, and probably yours, too, Uncle Jamie. Jamie Ward is back with us this evening.
3: Oh, it's awesome to be back, and I got a lot
1: of crowing to do tonight, boys. This evening, we're going to discuss the SummerSlam 2023 event that took place this past weekend, and we're also going to throw some wrestling-related what-ifs at you, which will hopefully be as good as the Marvel animated series was. Last weekend, we had SummerSlam in Detroit, Michigan, and it was a pretty fun show for the most part. I say for the most part because it had some really high ups and then some really down down. Got to watch it with Mac. Mac came up for the weekend, got to spend some quality time with JJ, and him and I got to watch the show together, so I was very happy with that. How were your viewing experiences this weekend? I know Mike was watching
0: it with his favorite wrestling watching buddy.
4: Amy Ashland and I enjoyed the show for the most part. Okay.
0: Yeah, I Had, uh, had the little ones with me, Tatum and Gemma, and we were joined by good friend and co-host of What's the Vibe podcast, Amy Sullivan was with us, and uh, we had a really good time watching the show.
2: I had Amy and Spencer dipping in and out, but we were cooking and doing a bonfire too, so we'd go in and watch it and out, and then I just caught up on it later on.
3: I guess I'm the only one to watch it the next day, because we already had plans on Saturday night, and I went on social media blackout. There got you a- go. Sunday morning and uh, probably started at about 10. And by the time he went breaks, got done and watching about two.
1: It was a long show, but I didn't realize how long it really ran till the main event. And apparently, according to some reports, it even ran overtime. So I wasn't really looking at the clock until Jey Uso walked down for the main event. I'm like, oh, it's 1130. It moved pretty well for the most part. Everything went in pretty good pace, except for one match a minute. We'll get there. So let's start at the top of the card. Logan Paul and Ricochet. And Logan Paul must be a big deal because normally, if Brock wants to go on and go home, Brock goes on first. Brock had to go on second because Logan had to go escort his brother to the ring against Nate Diaz. I really enjoyed this match.
0: I did as well. I thought it looked a little like half a step off and like their, I hate to use the word choreography, but like their planned spots, the ones that they obviously had mapped where they wanted to do like some chain stuff and and incorporate things. There was a few spots where they kind of hesitated a little bit and it looked a little chunky, but I like what they do, but those Spanish fly flips together all over the place, there's too much downside to pulling those moves off. I mean, you really got to stick them to have it not look kind of eh. Like I mean, when, they did, when they did the Spanish fly off the apron onto the floor, they kind of almost lost it and tumbled there. It's just when they get to stuff like that, they speed it up at that point, and then it looks rushed and scary. It didn't look as bad as one they had at Money in the Bank, though, thank God. Yeah, that was like, oh my gosh.
4: Well, I wonder how much of that is actually the inexplicable experience that logan paul has because while he's clearly a natural athlete and has picked this up at i don't know who's the fastest to pick this stuff up in recent memory kurt angle his rookie year he seemed to just flow everything i mean i don't know how much training logan paul has had behind the scenes but for a guy that's had a handful of matches he works like he's been doing it regularly for a couple of years but he doesn't really have much experience I don't think so I think that probably plays a part of he gets it
0: and I love yeah yeah. it's the tandem stuff like when they do stuff in tandem where it looks rushed and scary but like when spot they did at the Royal Rumble where they took off from each side and met in the middle like he's the perfect type of athlete for those kind of things and you know flying off to the ringside table and just taking those huge huge leaps and you can tell this dude is a real natural athlete and like chris said he gets it he has the ear for the crowd and he can tell when it's time to give him the look you know and turn it up a notch you're
3: absolutely right drew you know on our last show we kind of had the discussion about i want to see him all the time i like him that much i'm selfish i don't want him to be (laughs) a special person aka andre the giant brock lesnar somebody that you only see every so often this guy's so good, I want to see him every week.
0: Understandable. Yeah. Like, to Mike's point, though, on the show, I would be worried about overexposure and burnout. Yeah. Because he's so hot, you know, and he's so hot button that I would worry about it turning into, like, Morton Downey Jr. kind of heat, you know, where you're just like, God, this guy's an asshole. The go-away kind. Well,
3: I can see him get reaching Seth Rollins' level. If he, mean, you know, just stayed with the craft and not let right. we go. But obvious, that's not going to happen. But I'm
2: selfish. That's what I want to have. He's annoying, but you can tell that he. He loves the business and the guys the celebrities that love the business always seem to do better because they do try to attend to get it and I hate his guts I I don't say that he's just very irritating to me I think he's got some really dumb shit he's done in the past I mean he can let it go whatever but taking funny selfie videos with dead people is just not a good look but anyway I can't let go of the past that's me but he's fine but he gets the he gets the business and he likes it so good for him for that
1: one of the spots that popped me and again it looked kind of choreographed but for him it looked awesome was the Flipping it over to the topper, pretty much right into the STO when Ricochet was standing there. That spot, like, I don't know why that freaking popped me huge because I thought that was awesome to watch. And Logan Paul has a very punchable face. <laughs> you know what I think a money match would be? Put it on for WrestleMania and I think it'd be fantastic. Him versus Bad Bunny. Yeah, Bad Bunny could be the face. Exactly. A celebrity versus celebrity match where both guys can go and put all eyes on everybody. That would be the scene because they both
0: get it. I'll worried worry about who would call the match, though. That'd be my only oh. thing. Like, who would be able to keep it together if something went wrong and they got flustered?
4: I think you'd need to make it a tag match just for that reason and give them a good segment against each other in the middle of the match where they're squaring off. But like you said, if something goes wrong, who of those two is going to know how to get things back on track or what to do? And that would be my only concern with that. Well,
1: Well, remember, you're only in the third inning of, you know, the game. So,
4: well, yeah, Yeah. anyway, (laughs) this was a great opener, fast paced, a lot of action. Logan Paul, he even gets like the facial expressions when to look at the crowd and sneer or smirk. And I love that he won by using brass knuck. that little cheap heel move to steal the yeah. win because ricochet is just better than him by just that much that he had to cheat to win
3: nice old school finish there.
1: yeah does anybody else cringe when ricochet misses the 630 and just goes splat a
0: little bit i've He's noticed that i've gotten older i used to watch wrestling and i wanted to see him go off on of the top of everything and i wanted to watch like anything i could find like the Foley stuff from japan i'm like man i want to see this it's got to be crazy you know and then Now, if I see anybody on the top rope, I'm like, oh, God, please get down. (laughs) Don't get hurt. I think it's become an uh, parent and all that stuff. You're just like, oh, man, (laughs) I don't want anybody to get hurt. (laughs) Everybody get down and get over here for peanut butter sandwiches. I just wish the guy
1: in the giant prom can would have been the one handing the brass nooks. He could have had revenge storyline there, but that might have been a little much.
0: Really underrated about Logan Paul is like his, how he transitions. He can kind of chain wrestle a little bit and, you know, he knows when to grab a hold and how to cover up when they're doing stuff it's crazy man he shouldn't be that fucking good at this <laughs>
4: he's a natural performer and he knows how to read a crowd I mean that's how he built himself as a internet yeah, celebrity he understands the crowd for sure you know he understands people and human dynamics and he knows how to manipulate that and make it work what better business to get into than wrestling right
0: they're like the Menendez brothers except instead of killing their parents they're murdering pop culture <laughs> 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 <Ow>. <laughs>
4: Yeah. There's, a, there's a first Chris Zaha reference of the night. <laughs> Shout out to the third Menendez brother, young Christopher Zaha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on that note, let's move on to match number two, Cody versus Brock three. This
1: might've been my favorite match of the night. It was pretty fucking good.
4: It was exactly what it needed to
1: be. Cody. Yeah. Yeah. I was impressed. Cody taking a lick and it kept on ticking and you could just see it in Brock's face. Brock sold it like perfectly.
0: Yeah. The whole match, I thought it was done very, very well and proper. Like when Brock just came right out of the gate, just pounding him and suplexing the tar out of him. We were watching an he was like, oh, my God, is he going to kill him? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what the hell? You know, somebody help this guy. And I'm like, no, he's going to come back. It's Cody. He's the son of a plumber of a plumber, you know, or whatever the <laughs> hell.
4: <laughs> grandson son of a plumber, baby.
0: And as the match progressed, you could see them getting invested in it. And at the end, when Cody caught him and I thought it was a great set of false finishes leading up to it, not overkill on the false finishes, which can be. I think leave things flat sometimes by overdoing those you let the helium out too much the symbolistic passing of the torch cody is now a made dude yeah
3: that surprised me at the end of the match with the handshake and raising yeah. of the arm I
0: expect that brock's a pretty uh i don't know, i mean i guess arrogant is it or there's got to be some other word hubristic something but he's not the type to normally just go and put people over and whether verbally or outwardly exactly
4: and I guess that's the end of Brock for a little bit. Yeah, I would guess until Rumble, at least. He'll yeah. be back for, you know, that four-month stretch from the Rumble to Mania, 3 months so or we'll, whatever.
1: And we'll figure out who he'll be working at Mania next year,
4: so. I liked that they started off with Cody attacking Brock before the bell, and you got the like the disaster kicks early. I really thought yep. for a sec, holy shit, Brock wants out of here. Yep. They're going to have Cody do a quick strike thing and take him out in the first minute, minute and a half of the match. That'd be great. Then the tide turned and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm 99% sure Cody's going to win, but man, they're really going to make him work from underneath to get here. And, and they, did. they did. But one thing, and this drives me nuts with a lot of people and it needs to stop. If you're outside the ring, And they're counting you out. I hate the fact that you're over here at the announce table when they count nine. And you have to jump up and sprint and dive into the ring to beat the 10 count. Stop doing that. (laughs) Slowly work your way over and pull yourself up into the ring to beat the 10 count. Don't all of a sudden have this amazing burst of energy when your ass was just lying on the floor one second ago. And then you spring up and sprint, take two steps and fly into the ring just under the count. Quit doing that. It looks too contrived.
1: Mike would do a leisurely saunter.
4: No, I mean, just crawl at about five. Start crawling your way and pulling yourself up the apron and get in. You're not building drama by that because people know you're not getting counted out. And it just looks dumb when you have to jump up and run at the last second, because then when you get in the ring, then, oh, you're you're back down on the mat. You have no energy.
3: Right. It happens way too often.
4: Yeah. I popped huge for
1: Cody giving Brock the Kimura lock, especially because we yeah. got purple face Brock during that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like I'm like, oh my God, is Brock okay? Like whenever he goes purple face, I get kind of concerned. (laughs) "Uh." That's
0: part of being a pale ginger dude, I think. Cody and Brock,
1: they've had three great matches and this was exactly what it needed to be. But I have to agree with Mike, that first minute and a half, had Cody gone over him in a minute and a half, that would have that would have been massive.
4: I think a lot of people would have complained, though. I think a lot of people would have been like, oh, yeah, there's no way. This was dumb. It was a great match. I think the way they did it was fine. I don't have any other complaints other than the waiting until 9 and jumping back into the ring like that—the yeah. only negative thing I could say about
1: so now, now, now. Every time I see that happen, I'm gonna think I'm like just sitting there going,
4: "Why?" <laughs> see how often bro, it happens because it's way too prevalent. Why?
0: And one, my one uh, spot about the match that I didn't like was when Brock got Cody in the Camaro. I mean, Brock is a proven MMA specialist for lack of a better word and he's already broke his arm with the kimura once and he did it rather quickly and now he's got him in the camera for like four minutes
3: Now, this match had no stipulation, it sold correct? it well, though. It made his way to the ropes, yeah.
0: and it makes sense to do that spot, but maybe shorten that spot up a little bit because it's yeah, proven absolutely. that it's like a real quick thing, you know? You don't just hang out in that move for a while.
1: No, Jamie, it did not have a stipulation. And thus,
3: uh, I'm going to go with a pet peeve of mine. And like Mike just said, if there's no stipulation, how are you picking up ring steps and throwing each other into it outside of the ring? Should have been immediate
4: disqualification. That's kind of like how all of a sudden, knocking the ref down isn't a disqualification qualification automatically it's yeah, just right. something that's apparently evolved i guess because the ring steps are technically part of the ring it's so loud i don't know the logic behind it that's all i've
1: got that might be the most sound logic for that i've ever heard mike <laughs>
0: It's like I mean, how they uh, their step things not traveling. All
4: right, Mike, just won the night. So it's like they did the turnbuckle spot again.
0: Yeah.
4: And I thought, oh, see, we can't do this a second time. And then they didn't. They didn't really do the same thing exactly. So it was fine. You know, used to something like that gets noticed. It's a disqualification. So I guess just the way things have evolved, you have to actually get something from completely outside and away from the ring for it to be. Although you don't always get a disqualification for using a, Indo uh, stick, it doesn't seem like either. So it's real selective in how they want to tell the story. Or putting somebody through a table. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's a good point. God, God, we're thinking way too much into this now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to the battle royal. <laughs> I do like that they've got the new Slim Jim commercial. Yes. They did. That still had Macho Man. In it. it still had Macho Man. I popped huge. And then had Bianca. And I do, who was the other? Who's the guy? Was it LA Knight? Yes. Yes. I like that spot. I don't yes. see too many commercials anymore because, unless it's like football season starting. So I'll see commercials during football games. But otherwise, we record everything and then fast forward through commercials. So I don't see too many anymore. But that one's one that I'll stop and watch. If I'm fast-forwarding through something and see it come up, because I did like it.
0: I'd like to preface all this by saying that I love Battle Royals. Yeah. It
1: was a fun battle royal. I mean, obviously, you knew who was going far and who would be interesting because they got their entrances. They came back from the Slim Jim commercial and half the guys were in the ring already. I'm like, oh, so we're going to do this. And then they started announcing people and get the last entry.
2: That's my pet peeve is, is I hate when they do Almost. that. You don't have time for all the entrances. But when they do, they like, you know, who's going to win. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Just don't give anybody entrances or water. Or do it like I don't know how to solve it. But it's just so stupid when you see like half the people in the ring and then everybody else gets announced. It's like pretty shitty. Because it's just telling telegram- I mean, obviously we know who's going to win, but come on, man. You know, suspend my disbelief a little bit.
1: Then you had to find a turn who they were teasing. They're like, oh, we've announced 24 dudes. And then almost fresh from writing all of those Nigerian Prince emails is 25. I figure that's where he was because he
4: disappeared for a little while. And. I like that they kind of waited a while for the gang up spot to eliminate him instead of doing it right off the bat. Because then it gave you the sense of, oh, God, Vince told them that they had to put Omos over in the Battle Royal. And it almost made it believable for a while that that L.A. Knight wasn't going to win.
3: Well, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw he was last.
4: Yeah. Yeah. When he grabbed McDonough. And pressed him and chugged him.
0: <laughs> it was
3: like, you yeah, know, finally you, a J.D. McDonough.
4: So, it was great. Do you remember when Mark Henry threw that one dude into the abyss of darkness <laughs> on Raw? That's what that kind of reminded me of. <laughs> Wait, what? Do you not remember that on Raw? I don't know. How, it was a long time ago. It was like a production guy or something, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and Mark Henry grabbed him and threw him and it was like, off stage and they didn't have it lit very well and it was like they had the, the cardboard boxes or crash pads or whatever with the black fabric or whatever covering it but the guy went through that and just like disappeared
0: into the black <laughs> hole
4: man yeah like, you just didn't see him anymore.
0: He was yeah, he's on, on Wait, hold on if you
1: youtube mark henry throws audio guy there it is okay hold on here i'm watching it and it has him up by both hands okay that's legitimately scary
5: oh <laughs> here it goes Oh, right? Geez.
1: We'll make
4: sure and post that video in the group. Because it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. That was awesome. Yeah. I'll <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> be reminded of when Bigelow
0: Chuck, Spike Dudley at the ECW Arena crowd.
5: Right. Right.
0: That one was pretty wild, too. And But they caught him, and then they crowd-surfed him. <laughs> yeah, I, love that. I love that clip.
1: with Jamie reading the crowd that night? No, I was not there that night.
0: Yeah, but the so, battle no. royal. Roller- Man, I thought it it had some fun spots, and I was really impressed with Gable hanging in
4: there at the end and getting some spots and looking like he belonged.
0: Yeah, I
3: kind of think he might be getting a little push right now.
4: Yeah, he is. To mention Raw, like Spiker did, he won a fatal four-way to get to challenge Gunther. Oh, good title and that was a hell of a match if you don't go back and watch all the raw find that match and watch it in a weird
0: way it almost makes sense to have him take the belt from Gunther if you're going to take it off of him just Wouldn't because of be the dichotomy of their difference and you know you're we're so used to seeing Gunther going toe to toe with Sheamus and Drew and all these sluggers like and then slapping me. yeah. <laughs> yeah. meat guys meaty slappy Jimmy Deans <laughs> I was just about to say, Jamie, by the end of the
1: episode, you won't have to watch Raw. we have told you everything that
3: happened. Hey, that's fine. I don't watch every—I try to watch everyone, (laughs) but I I do it like Mike. I'm fast-forwarding through. I stop on what looks interesting.
4: I know that Drew doesn't watch the weekly TV. Last week, Gable and Gunther had an interaction backstage, and it led to a five-minute challenge where Gable had to try to last five minutes with Gunther, and he did. And then Gunther demanded more time. And that's a match worth going and checking out. Yeah. So, I mean, they're building a storyline here.
3: So they um, had a fatal four-way and then wrestled later in the same night.
4: No, last no. week had the... No, no it's not about last night. This, this week... This week there was the four way match, and I think it's. Is it next week, Spiker, or is it the next pay? Oh, okay. the Gable challenges. I you, you guys know I, I want to say it's next week, but with
1: the way they say things and then right and then <laughs> don't follow up. up on them. It, yeah, it could it could be payback, which I think you should save that because Gunther is now within one month of the rain and that will almost put him there because I think payback is Labor Day weekend.
4: Yeah, Saturday, September second.
1: Yeah, so that'll put him right there at the cusp. So you have a storyline with him and Gable, where Gable's literally the underdog and he made Gunther lose his cool because Gunther stormed up and took that microphone last week and said, no, we're not done yet. I'm like, wait, did Gunther just kinda lose his mind a little bit against Chad yeah. Gable all people? I think it'd be awesome. And I won't be mad either way, honestly. If Gunther wins great. If Gable wins it
4: might be even better, I guess is if they're wrestling at payback, Gunther will retain and then Gable would win it probably the next month because I really think they're going to get Gunther that full-on IC title which is is great great. I'm all for that
1: or Gunther and Gable are wrestling and some guy in a hoodie comes down and
4: pulls Gable out of the ring and turns on him Um, Jason Jordan let it be Jason Jordan or it could be his dad Jason Jordan's dad Kurt Angle There, there was a Jason <laughs> there's, there's, Jordan sighting at the um, pay-per-view backstage. Yeah, yeah he's an, he's been an agent since he hurt his neck. That's the first time I've seen him in a long time. Shout out to the former IU Hoosier.
1: Shout out Dude. to American Alpha. Terribly underrated. Right. Hell yes. Terribly Hell. underrated ready willing and gable baby let's do yeah. this knight sheamus come down to the final two great exchange between them and la knight gets the huge baby face pop for winning although even aj styles can't carry carry and cross and that's
4: sad i'm sorry yeah, carry I, probably- don't know, I don't know what to do with him there's got to be something because he has a good look exactly he's not terrible he's not he but he's boring he's just, he's just a charisma vacuum which maybe just here's what we do shave his head again dress him like jesse ventura and just let him come out and do his jesse impression every week because he does a spot on jesse ventura impression shout out to tyrell (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe bring Wardlow in, team him up. You go. Some kind so, of killer team. So I
1: kind of had an idea. We were talking about it almost earlier, and apparently, news leaked this week. And I don't know how reputable this is that Biggie has apparently been told never to wrestle again. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I, That's, I've read that two different places, and if so, that sucks. Because dude was always tremendous. But you know what? He'd be a killer coach or a killer commentator. Yeah. So if they're reforming the Hurt business, which more and more likely, which is a thing, is almost going to be a part of it. If he's not, almost petitions to join Kofi and Xavier as the third member of the New Damn biggie's He's like, You gotta be kidding me. And you find out that Omus is actually very comedic and is friggin' awesome.
0: There's like so many ways they could go if they when they redo this Hurt business thing. There's a couple different formations that would re- be really awesome. Of course with omas in there as the ultra enforcer
1: <laughs> or just have Hamas join the new day i think that'd be hilarious Big E segments with him would be freaking outstanding can you imagine him coming out dressed in one of those
0: singlets going Hum-hum? can he play trombone <laughs> <laughs> i bet he could probably carry a crap ton of flapjacks
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh- Love
1: it. Randomly popped in my mind today when I was thinking about it. Now we move on to the first kind of eh part of the night with Shana and Rhonda. Now one of my favorite comments of the night came when in the chat with michael and apparently Ashlyn's commentary
4: what was what was ashland's comment about the match oh god i don't remember something about i hope this is quick and it's the last that we see of Rhonda, something along those lines i wish i would remember the exact verbiage but it was really funny this quote was exactly this this is really bad
0: <laughs> she That's is from not an eight-year-old yeah. eight that loves wrestling and she was right it was really plotting really bad.
3: Even for an MMA
0: match, that was bad. Kind of got to plot, I think. If you're not going to have it be like a Blitzkrieg type of fight, it's kind of got to be slow to make it a little more realistic, but it just it didn't have any vibe to it.
1: That's Bill's girl, Shana, though, so you can't say anything too bad.
2: You got any money for smokes? <laughs> okay. I didn't take my birth control this month. He you're a
4: beer boner, buddy. I <laughs> mean, <laughs>
2: I've done worse.
4: It had the same vibe to it <laughs> as um, Goldberg and Brock because I feel like people knew Rhonda was going away, and I just don't think anybody cares. I don't think anybody cares about Rhonda, period. And as long as it's used to give Shayna a push and it looks like that that's what they're doing, fine. Otherwise, you could have just not brought Rhonda back at all, and it would have been fine. Go, Drew. I remember Ashwin said there's a time for a bathroom break yes. this
0: is the time for a bathroom break <laughs> yeah,
4: he said I wish I had to go to the bathroom because this is the match for a bathroom break <laughs> Definitely
2: Goldberg-Brack vibes.
1: Actually, I think this is a match that put Mac to sleep for a little while, and then he stayed asleep for quite a bit. Um, I shit you not, I'm pretty sure he fell asleep during this match. I could understand that. Yeah, it wasn't a good match. However, what was a good match was the matchup followed it. The intercontinental title match with our boy Gunther versus Drew McIntyre. Match of the night. This was a great match.
2: Large affair. More Team. big mean, mean men slapping me. Yeah, man, but seeing a six foot five guy do a somersault <sighs> over the rope and then laying on his feet and bounce back up is like, All right, I see you, Drew. Is he done? I don't
4: think so. I haven't seen anything either way. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, way.
3: I dug, I couldn't find out anything. But, and if, this is the only match I got wrong all night.
4: Tough and if hear. he is leaving,
0: talk about a professional dude. He went out there and put on Oh yeah performance and put the dude over right in the middle. I mean finish you know and yeah. or if nothing else he just showed great faith to the company that well i'm a guy that you can trust yep. he, yeah he i did. think
3: that ending shows he's coming back not so much walking out
2: yeah maybe taking yeah. a break but he definitely did not look like a sissy in that match at all somewhat there's like false finishes but yeah man it was just like again two big meaty men slapping meat and it's just it was fantastic it
1: was what it needed to be yeah the right guy won even though i would not have been upset if drew was the one that pulled
0: off and that's how they got him back they didn't start the match with chops they didn't start off just chopping the crap out of each other you know they wrestled for a while and then when one of the guys started gaining an advantage and got him in the corner then boom and then it yeah. Was on, you know. Yeah. And it became that war. I like how they built to the war instead of just, you know, firing the cannons right off the opening bell.
1: Fun fact about this match, and it was relayed on commentary, that in all the promotions they are in together throughout the world, it was the first time they'd ever gone one on one, period. Wow. Yeah. Because they ran in the same circles
2: internationally. They worked, yeah.
1: you know, evolved a little bit together and it was the first time they had locked up you
2: know face to face wow so, that, yeah. they were great and the other thing is i know i talked in the chat but gunther's facials that's what also made drew look so powerful like who who were they really, how often do you see gunther look that shook you know what i mean when he's like some of his it was pretty cool you know how we kind of did it i mean i know gunther always makes like really good exaggerated faces but yeah he genuinely looked like he was terrified of drew for a few minutes and i was, mean wouldn't you be terrified of drew and you're much bigger than Drew. God, yeah, but I also got so much respect he's one of my faves nowadays and I hope he comes back soon.
0: Yeah, a though. But like when you know when they go with the, the two count the two and three quarter and the guy kicks out and he's got to like yeah. what do I gotta do you know like what the hell do I gotta do to this guy yeah
1: that ending barrage man he wasn't messing around like as soon as he hit that splash that splash no matter how many times he does I'm still wowed by a dude his size coming off the top rope perfectly like that very Mike Awesomey.
0: yes <laughs> very Mike Awesomey. I love it
3: That's great analogy
0: Mike awesome yeah. yeah and I just want to say for the record the kids love the Imperium entrance when they Intro. Gunther Tatum will yeah. sit there and she'll just do the whole thing.
2: So we. So can that just means. all of your gratitude.
1: So that just means you should be Gunther for Halloween, and they can be Imperium, and they announce you coming in the front door.
0: Oh hell yes! yes yeah, chop kids <laughs> when I open the doors. But you gotta, you gotta
3: get them to work on when they take the coat off and spin it perfectly so it lands it's in okay. the door.
2: It's okay. Full candy bars. So you can chop and give them a full candy bar. So can They'll be fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you power pump into the bush they get the whole basket
2: yeah can't do, they'll do a lot for candy
1: <laughs> the idea of drew coming into the rope and just standing there between that and mike telling me about mark henry throwing that guy into the abyss which i've watched about 10 times now
4: you're welcome <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm easily amused. What can I say? So next, the second of the four main events was the for the World Heavyweight Championship. We had Seth freaking Rollins in an outfit that looked like Effie Trinket from The Hunger Games coming down to ringside against Finn Balor. Great match. I mean, these two could probably have a good match together in their sleep, honestly. And... I was not a fan of Finn losing again, but it is what it is.
3: You guys had me convinced Finn was winning the title here. You should have been. I,
0: I think it's a squandered opportunity. This, the seeds of dissent have been sown within the Judgment
4: Day. Yeah, but I think you would have had a better story if Finn was champ and you started to sow those seeds. And yeah. make Finn more sense. Has- has happened on Raw, uh, Seth is moving on to a feud with Shinsuke. Really? Yeah. Yes. Double face? At, they had a six-man tag match, Judgment Day versus, it was originally supposed to be Seth, Cody, and Sammy. Well, then Sammy got jumped by J.D. McDonough, who Finn had been shown talking to earlier in the night. Oh, they so we'll returned to out. that. Good. Yeah, so Sammy was out. Shinsuke offered to replace him. They win the match. They're celebrating. Shinsuke hits Kinshasa on Seth, slides out of the ring, and leaves at the Shinsuke going here.
3: Well, yes.
4: So I I think interesting, but I really feel like they had a really, really hot main event storyline with Finn winning and going from there with Judgment Day. They can still do the thing with Judgment Day, but I think it would have been better served with Finn as champ and a paranoid Finn, you know, falling deeper and deeper into paranoia about Priest going to cash in on him and recruiting somebody like McDonough and maybe somebody else in to insulate him and try to keep Priest from him. You know, I think you could have done a lot that way, but now I'm not 100% sure why L.A. Knight didn't win the briefcase instead of Priest. So that's just me, though.
1: Oh, because L.A. Knight would have been insufferable with it. It would have been fantastic. Which, Jamie, we're just going to further spoil Rolf for you i think we spoiled about an hour and a half hour and a half oh, that's fine.
3: It, <laughs> no problem makes um, it a
1: lot easier to watch the Miz is gonna be awesome they're sending them yeah. up for it's gonna
4: be tremendous although Miz kind of
1: owned him on the mic this week Miz owns a lot of people on the mic to be fair mike
4: to be fair yeah, mike, well, but i mean that's kind of la's thing his claim is to be you know the guy that talks and Miz kind of kind of made him look bad i think so what did we say mike I mean, the, the crowd is behind him enough that it was covered up. But if you listen to the promo back and forth, if you were judging it, Miz would have won handily.
5: Yeah, I
1: mean, great match. I knew Judgment Day was going to get involved in the finish. I think Rhea should have done a better job of distracting at the end there instead of worrying about Dom. Which, breaking news, I just saw scrolling through Facebook here while we were recording. Mommy is officially off the market. I am sad. he.
3: Her and Buddy got married.
1: Uh her and Buddy are officially engaged.
3: Oh, that don't make <laughs> her awesome working.
1: Yeah, that well, don't mean. Anything. Yeah, but still, <laughs> this is wrestling. A lot it's, can it's, happen. It is one step closer to that happening. Poor Dom. And you <laughs> know, I'm surprised Dom didn't have a match on the show. Mainly because he's been working NXT. I heard he had a good match in NXT last night. I saw that. Heard, heard him and Dragon Lee put on a good match. That,
3: that was actually a good match,
1: yes. The seeds of discontent have been sown among the Judgment Day, which is sad, because I really like the Judgment Day. I like all four of them. Even though Dom is like the little shit I just want to pick up and just throw into the abyss.
4: I think it's going to be interesting to see which one of them stays in the group and which one leaves and turns space, because you could go either way with it.
1: Okay, well, Mike, in your wonderful booking ways, I know you Febreze the booking hat before SummerSlam, give it a little fresh up. One member of Judgment Day leaves, because obviously you're going to put JD McDonough in there, because why not?
4: Who- well, if you put McDonough in it, then Priest is the one that leaves and turns face, and I think that would be fine. But I also think Priest is as an ass-kicking heel with a group behind him is a lot of fun, too. I guess maybe I think Finn needs to be a heel more than Priest does. I mean, the people get behind Finn when he's a face. But I think a lot of times when he's a face, they just want to see him break out the demon.
1: Yeah. And he doesn't
4: have to worry about that as a heel. He can just be Finn Balor and be a dastardly little bastard. And besides last couple times he broke out the demon, he lost. Right. So if it was me, I would break priest out and... Let him be a face with a briefcase go from there.
0: Finn was the baby know. face at our house because he was wearing Nikes.
3: <laughs> I noticed that.
0: Yeah. The kids were like, oh, wow. Because normally it's very Pavlovian. Like when the entrances are going on here, the kids are doing, you know, Seth's song. Oh, oh. they're doing it, dancing around the living room and <laughs> eat their baby face. And then here comes Finn and they're like, oh, boo. And then they see his shoes. like, oh, his shoes. Now he's the baby face. <laughs> Because of his shoes.
1: <laughs> I really like the story they told in the match where Finn was just going to town on him for, you know, this was it. This was seven years in the making, which, hey, I mean, long-term storytelling
4: oh, at its and finest. There was a perfect payoff for that, and we didn't get it. Theme of the night, perfect long-term <laughs> storytelling that we we're, don't pay off. Uh,
1: <laughs> we're getting closer. <laughs> we're getting right, close. Brandon Seamus, and I hope you're ready, brother. Our next match was the third of four main events. The Triple Threat for the Women's Championship, Bianca, Charlotte, and the champ, Asuka. Honestly, I liked it, but there were spots that were a little rough, I felt, and I did not expect that from the three of them. I felt there was some miscommunication there. Certain spots like the one they were on the ropes there, and I think somebody missed something or they didn't set up right, and one of them tumbled.
0: A Triple Threat match always has the chance to go awry, because like I said, it's those tandem spots where you get two or more people involved, timing is everything you know, it doesn't oh, take okay. much to screw something up,
4: and they had a couple of issues. Like there was one point where Charlotte was supposed to be doing something to the both of them, and she had to stop and have the referee zip up the back of her top yes. because it. <laughs> <him up>.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and you know, He's had a wardrobe like malfunction.
4: Yeah, things like that throw your momentum off. But yeah, there were a couple of spots. I mean, Charlotte needs to stop the moon salt to the outside because it never looks good. She doesn't open out with it. She lands her. on her feet. It just it looks bad. It's an Amazing athletic feet that she can pull off, but it doesn't look good. And then, where she had them stacked up in the corner and she was doing was it a backhand spring? It wasn't the elbow, it was something different. It didn't look good. And then there were a couple of like logic fails where was it Bianca did a splash on top of both of them to pin them? Yes. It's like, oh, great move to pin them both at once. Well, no, you're spreading your body weight across two people, making it easier for them to kick out logically. Like, that's a terrible decision to pin them both at once.
0: That's more of a wow factor spot, I think.
4: Yeah, but you know, I I will say compared to most triple threat matches, there were more times in this where all three were active at once and not, okay, we're going to team up on this person and throw them out of the ring and then we'll fight. And then that person will get in and take one of us out and then you two will fight. There were more times where all three were in the ring doing things to each other. And I liked that compared to most triple threat matches. Yeah, I actually thought
3: the only, of the three, I thought Oscar was the most on point. I thought she was going to win the match because both Charlotte and Bianca, they were slightly off. They weren't as crisp as they normally are. And I just felt that both of them knew they weren't winning and thus weren't putting out the full effort.
4: Also known as Sasha Banks' boo-boo face. Yes. You go back and watch matches where she dropped the title in any title she had, that's how a lot of them went. You could tell from the time she walked in the ring, she was losing.
3: And that's how I felt about both of them. And I wasn't totally wrong.
4: Yeah. yeah. I picked I- Bianca and our little pick them here
0: at the house, only to be foiled by well, Shirai.
4: Technically, Bianca won the match because EO yeah. kept in, and it's a whole other match at that point. So and that director-
0: blew the house here when, her- when that bass line dropped, when EO's right. music hit. Yeah. The girls went
4: nuts. It's here. Yeah. Well, I know that the Bianca knee thing, it got Amy. Ashlyn like- had gone to bed. She was tired, and she Ashlyn had gone to bed. Uh, they did that, and I'm like, okay, I don't think it's real because they, they didn't show. like The camera cut a certain way, right. and you couldn't see the ref normally if it's an injury you'll see them hold up the X with you know make the X with their arms to get the doctors out and I said I don't think it's real my guess is that it's fake it's an angle I said we'll see and as soon as they were letting her walk back on her own power I'm like see right there that's how you know that she's not really hurt because if she really had jacked up her knee they would be carrying her out not letting her walk
3: right you back up to Wrestlemania they didn't have the camera on Finn when he got split open by the
1: uh, ladder right when she fell off and you heard the clang on the stairs I Okay.
4: Yeah, she smacked the stairs hard with her hand or something. Yeah, I don't, well, well kicked it, I'm not sure, but well done, well timed. Yeah.
3: And at one point she sold the wrong knee there toward the end.
4: All the then, way through and it. then
3: either the referee told her or she remembered real quick and then reached back over and grabbed the other knee.
4: Well, but then she went back to the wrong one and EO hit her in the wrong one with the briefcase <laughs> too.
3: That I didn't so, catch.
4: Yeah, if you we went back and watched it. Last night at dinner, before we watched Raw, because Ashlyn hadn't seen the end of the women's match, she went to bed about halfway through because she was just tired and couldn't stay awake. But you can tell she's favoring her right knee initially, and then after she wins, she's favoring the left knee and that's the one that EO hits with the briefcase and goes after. So, you know, so it's yeah, a for little
0: all the, For all the uh, faults that there were in the match, I, I thought uh, they had a really good hot finish. Yes. that yes. like that. It looked phenomenal. And like I said, it blew the roof off the place over here when she hit that splash. And it just, it was like a perfect, they had the timing perfect
4: yeah I'm, charlotte was dead on and getting her arms down out of the figure eight yes i was like man if her i was like i just pictured her yeah. elbows going the wrong way yeah. right same <laughs> here as soon as bianca hit i'm like oh my god charlotte did that perfectly because it looked natural it didn't look completely you know that she would did it early and was already laying on her back before bianca hit. she did it at the right time to not get hurt but make it look good and Having
0: uh, Asuka in the figure four helped keep her pinned too, because she couldn't kick out because her lower
4: body was all tied up. The mist job that Asuka did on Charlotte was fantastic. Beautiful. Beautiful finish. (laughs) Amy's like, what is that?
0: (laughs) I'm like, you didn't know that every Japanese person does that. I think they do that right when you get off the plane and Narita.
4: And like you said, with Bianca trapped in the figure four and she grabs Oscar and puts her in the inside cradle or small package or whatever. I pointed that out. I'm like, see, this is genius because now Oscar to kick out has to kick out of Bianca and Charlotte's body weight, not just one person because Bianca's legs are tied up still. So you're not kicking out of one person. And that's why even though Oscar was clearly the freshest in the match, she couldn't kick out.
1: Yeah ending that work, whoever booked that ending should be very proud of themselves because the ending it,
4: was phenomenal is tyson kidd still the main producer of the women's matches i know he was at one point i'm not 100 sure whoever produced it did a fantastic job then eo runs
1: down well EO and bailey run down you get cash a nice little moment with dakota kai coming in join them apparently she's nowhere near ready to come back
4: though no she's still got months because didn't she tear her acl too yes I loved that Bailey was taking people out with the briefcase, but was anybody besides me for at least a split second thinking that Bailey was going to try and cash in first yep. before EO could do it because she had her hands on the briefcase? I, and I thought the like, same oh, thing real go. quick. Yeah. Because I thought maybe, maybe she would try and they'd get into an argument and Bianca would get out of there before it could happen. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very happy for EO. I mean, the reaction she got at what the hell was that pay per view in Puerto yeah, Rico? Backlash—the exactly. reaction she got there. The crowd was behind her a hundred percent on Saturday night too when she cashed in. So yeah, the crowd they they have a hard time keeping her heel.
1: Yeah, the Detroit crowd got give up to give it to him for most of the night, with exception of the Ronda and Shayna match. They were red hot. Yeah, they were red hot for a certain person coming up in the match's entrance. Let's talk about Tribal Combat. Ah, <sighs> it's a good thing I have a beverage sitting here. All right, <laughs> the main event Tribal Combat where no one is supposed to be able to interfere it even says online no one was allowed to interfere per tribal rules we have roman and jay jay's reaction was huge the arm waving and everything like that i'm like wow okay you know this is impressive he he was right. then roman comes down roman does the spiel thing like that i gotta say i thought the match started really slow and i don't know again like i know the past couple months it has been it seemed like a drug this time though. well
4: just- i something today or or maybe it was last night that apparently roman might have gotten hurt early on in the match and that that could be part of why it was as slow and plodding as it was i guess there was a dive that jay hit where roman wasn't quite ready like i guess if you go back and watch it you can either see or hear him yell out joe to get roman's attention to get him to turn around Mm -hmm. and i guess it kind of hit him in the Mm -hmm. (laughs) corner I'm not a hundred percent sure. I haven't gone back to watch it yet because I either, I either read it today or I read it like three or four in the morning before I was going to bed and I need to go back and check it out. But, Apparently, it was a Meltzer report that the Roman got hurt early on. Yeah, I saw the
3: same thing, but I don't re- remember where they said it yeah. occurred.
4: Because someone I else said it was off the Samoan
0: drop. I thought it was the dive where it was like up the aisle way where there's like a corner where it goes from ringside to going up the aisle. And he Might just be- about, about, he almost hit him on the corner.
4: Yeah, Yeah, that that's probably what it was then. That that sounds right from what I read, because it's like Roman hit his back or his lower back or his kidney area or something. And as somebody who screwed up their back in high school and have had problems with it for years, if he did hurt his back at all in that, props to him for finishing it out for another forty minutes because holy shit! Yeah,
1: so match goes and then. Of course, Solo interferes. And right away, I'm like, hold on a second. Wasn't one of these stipulations in the
0: match? And I'm like, okay, fine. Just just let it go. Well, yeah, I mean, what's the stipulation of a cage match? Keep guys in, keep guys out. Just about every cage match, somebody comes in.
5: Yeah,
0: or right. or but the cage or this, to me... stipulations are meant to be broken. But
1: <laughs> this should have been the match that Roman won on his own. If Roman was going to win, he should have done
4: it on his own. Yeah, Again. i got to say, Jamie had a great idea last week with, uh, this should have been a cinematic match that they filmed on an island. Yeah. In thinking of that, after you mentioned that, like all last week leading up to SummerSlam, I'm thinking about that. And what I think they should have actually done for this is have it set up like the tribal council thing on Survivor. Like have seats, and they would have had like Afa and Sika and Rikishi, everybody in the family. Every sitting. somehow
3: you can get your hands
4: on. Right, yeah, I have all of them it's sitting awesome. watching the match. They get a huge deal. That's what they should have done, honest to God. I mean, I understand why you can't because it was in detroit but maybe maybe you save the tribal combat for another time but to me that's what a tribal combat match should be it should be on a beach and they're just beating the hell out of each other there's no ring there's no referee you make it like a last man standing match kind of like um, in the first black panther movie okay like you're an killmonger challenges t'challa yes and you've got everybody around watching That's what that should have been. And it was just a fight. Yeah.
3: Right. They didn't need to have this pay-per-view as a tribal match. You have the screw job finish that you have here, and that leads to the tribal match. And then you make a one night, one hour special live event from Samoa. And then you film anywhere you want to. Right.
0: Live (laughs) from Samoa. From (laughs) Samoa. Exactly. Do it like the Boneyard match, like AJ and Taker. You know, that's, would you bet was movie deal. yeah as soon as she said that mike i was like oh my god yeah it's perfect
4: yeah. yeah like when she mentioned it last week it didn't click with me when we were recording but after we're done i start thinking about it and i'm like holy shit there was such an opportunity to make this a huge deal and That's you know cool. like
0: have uh, make a movie michael we make a movies yeah. baby
1: why i flew some samoa the unreleased frank a live album have, like, he- get
4: up to interfere and rikishi steps in and stops him. I mean, you See, know what i mean you could have done it, so it, much it, with exactly
3: to go back to a similar situation, Christmas '89, no holds barred, match the movie, yeah, she where she they did it as a pay per view and they, they what they share the movie first and then the steel cage match right, right. after it. Rest they, in they peace, they could have won off this, yeah, I mean, they could have been perfect for Halloween. The, the,
1: kids.
4: the, kids. the kids?
1: yeah, wait a second, is that and Ryback on the council?
4: Is that Jeff Snooker? <laughs>
5: No, uh, Yo, yeah,
4: you got Tamita there too. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you could have filled it up and had ten or twelve people in attendance. I mean, you could have got actors, you know, as extras, you know, filled it with like have like thirty or forty people sitting and watching this just saying they're all part of the bloodline. They're all family down the line. No announcers it could have been incredible
1: Michael all I can think of when you mention that is the vampire council meeting from what we do in the shadows and they're like oh everybody and they go around all the famous vampires like Wesley are you hearing it's a TV screen with Wesley Snipes on it Well, yes, yeah. one of the greatest yeah. comedic scenes in history in my mind because it was so well done because they're doing it and I said what if Wesley Snipes and then she's like Wesley and there he was I'm like oh my god
5: Yeah,
4: it could have been amazing
1: but what we got was not
4: to me it was up until the finish even solo interfering did not bother me because you come to expect I mean they shouldn't have had interference if they said no interference but it holds to the pattern of Roman can't win a match on his own
3: and Roman lies
4: although I've I've seen people trying to spin it and say what if Roman's the good guy in all of this and they go back and they show I don't know if it was when Jimmy turned on Roman initially but when Roman said that Jimmy didn't want Jay to be made the second in command or whatever that the next tribal chief, whatever the deal was supposed to be, you know, that Jimmy was the one that was against it. They're saying, well, what if Roman was telling the truth all this time and, you know, it, he's been misunderstood and it was Jimmy all along that was the issue. You're going back and rewriting too much stuff. Roman has exactly. been too much of an ass all along for that to have been the thing. Exactly. If that's where we're going, I don't like it.
1: So, Roman wins with Jimmy's nonsensical thing. Okay, first issue, and Mike and I have talked about this ad nauseum. You have Jimmy interfere to cost Jay the title. Okay, if Jimmy wanted the the belt and to be Tribal Chief, it's easier to beat Jay than it is Roman. We've established this. Are you an idiot? That doesn't make sense. And the Roman winning without interference thing, I mean it's it's getting old. And if they're going to keep dragging it out to WrestleMania, they better make it interesting. I mean, if Roman's not legitimately hurt, which
0: if he is. He should have plenty of time to heal up. I mean, exactly. when is that, March, April?
4: Yeah. All right. Here's the scary thing to me. We are so concerned about breaking record as far as title reign length. Heyman's bottom of the third comment, meaning six more innings, six more years, puts Roman as the all-time record holder beating Bruno. There's no possible way they could mean that. No. It's
1: It's probably Heyman thinking that, but eventually Paul Paul Levesque is going to have to be the one to step in and go, no, this is what we're doing because people, you're going to have to do something because if not, people are losing interest quick. And I think Sunday, Saturday night did some damage to that because
4: it's kind of killed a lot of my interest in this because I've been, the most vocal proponent of this since Elimination Chamber when Sammy didn't win. I see where the story's going and Jay should be the one to win and we didn't do that. You're starting to lose the plot, I think. We're not in NWO territory quite yet, but I'm worried that we're going to get there if we don't get a resolution to this. I feel like we're probably going to get a Fatal 4-Way match between them coming up, whether it's at uh, Survivor Series, maybe.
3: Because I did tease the uh, tension between... Solo in Marines.
4: Right. Outside.
1: Which, although I will say this, Solo's facial expressions, Saturday night kind of told a different story too by the end of it. That kind of makes me wonder what was going on because he was kind of looking at Rome in a certain way by the end of the night. Right. And I mean, by the time we drop this episode SmackDown will Smackdown, I'm very curious to see how this tribal council meeting, whatever thing happens on Friday, because maybe this is when Af and Rikishi show up and they said, look, the rule was no outside interference. You ignored that. We're stripping your tribal chief role. Hasn't Solo said that his loyalty is to the tribal chief? I think so. Well, there's your out then. If Roman's hurt, you have Solo beat the shit out of Roman. And I can see Mike kind of rolling his eyes at me
4: over there. No, and it's... Then- it's the whole idea of that they have to contrive something now when they had a perfect exit for this storyline. You could have still done things with the bloodline after Jay wins the title. Let him win, and then Jimmy comes out and super kicks him. Like you said, Jimmy wants to be tribal chief, and it's going to be way easier to do that beating Jay than beating Roman. So I'm putting you on notice. I'm coming for you now. I used you to get past Roman. I know I can beat you. Because I know your weaknesses.
1: And I know where you stole that pack of Skittles from whenever you were 12 years old.
0: I
5: got dirt on you.
0: I chose Roman to win. <laughs> and for the simple reason that everybody in the world was like, okay, this is the night that, you know, Jay's going to win. And I was like, something's going to happen. I had that bubbles feeling something's fucky. <laughs> And, and he won. And, and, and then when uh, Jimmy came out, Tatum actually said, she's like, Gemma was like, why is he turning on his brother? Why is he beating up his brother? And and Tatum said, he's mad at him for leaving him. And I was like, well, very astute observation. And then I thought, I was like, well, he should, maybe he's got a case of the night hearts. You know, he's mad at Brett for bailing on him and going off and being a star. He kicked out his knee from under his knee. But then, yeah. <laughs> after everything, I was like, man, I was like, I can't believe they didn't put the belt on Jay. And then Tatum said to me, she goes, but dad, the show's all about Cody. And I was like, huh? Oh. <laughs>
3: They're going to get yep. back.
0: I was like, wow. I have a question.
1: And I know esteemed counsel can answer it. Cody entered right after a program after he lost with him, pretty much right away with Brock. Got him over. He was still red hot. Do you think this program with Jimmy or whatever they're going to do with Jay? Because I think Jay deserves to be red hot. That ovation he got was no lie. How do you continue to keep him at that level? Because they obviously have something there. Or do you keep him at that level?
4: I don't know what you do from this point. To make it all work.
1: Well, you know, you got the the
4: Jimmy J feud
3: that takes us up to Survivor Series, probably. Where Cody goes from here, who knows?
0: And did LA Knight win a title shot at anybody with the Battle Royal win? What did
4: he... No, he just just, just won won gyms.
3: Yeah, exactly.
4: So then we got Gunther and uh, Gable coming up. Yeah, and Seth and Shinsuke. And I mean, I would guess that LA Knight's going to be positioned to go after Austin Theory in the U.S. title, I would think. They probably has some good matches. Yeah. yeah.
1: You don't throw Grayson Waller in there, you have three big mouths going at it over the U.S. title belt. Right. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about Waller yet. He had some funny spots in the Battle Royal at the show. I thought he was kind yeah. of... I didn't thought he in was in
5: wearing boxer shorts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> watching him in the Battle Royal was a lot of fun. So, But I don't know. It left a really bad taste in my mouth. And... Whatever they do, they, they, they got to do something to come back from. And I know I'm not the only one that feels like that. Yes, Brandon Stevenson does not include you. Um, but I read a report that they're like, oh, you know, maybe we should drag Jimmy and Jay out to WrestleMania. Like, for love of God, no.
4: Right. That's the thing. This can't go until WrestleMania. And I know that there's a prevailing. Of, I know Jamie feels this way that Cody needs to beat Roman for that specific title at Mania. I don't think you can wait until Mania for Cody to win the title. I think that's too long. That's still eight or nine months away. So I think you got to do something before then with him because you've passed the torch to him. There doesn't seem to be...
0: It's got to be by Survivor Series, in my opinion.
4: I mean, I think Rumble at the latest. I think you could push it till the Rumble potentially, but I don't see how you can keep Cody hot until mania to win the title yeah agreed. he just got done beating brock that should have been setting him up for a title win in the next few months
3: somehow you got to get him over to smackdown you
1: know, he could just walk on the smackdown i mean la knight was supposed to be on smackdown he was on roll this week i mean yeah. he just walked back and forth you know I,
3: I mean we we might get here who knows damian priest and cody As the next feud and uh, that briefcase get put up for grabs. That could be the possibility of how they get to it. I mean, I would still love this. And I mentioned this last week as an outside shot that Damian Priest cashed in at the end of SummerSlam.
1: Everyone would have forgotten about Jimmy turning on Jay if if Damian Priest ran down with that briefcase and cleaned up on Roman.
4: Yeah, but as soon as EO cashed in, there was no chance that... They were going to do them both. And that's the only downside I saw to EO cashing in and winning was that meant I knew there was no way Priest was going to do it later. And I like Jamie's idea of Priest coming down after you know both guys laying on the mat, match over, and Priest cashing in and stealing the title, basically, and walking out with it. And like you said, Chris, that would have made everybody forget about jimmy coming out and attacking jay if priest comes out and walks away with the belt because all of a sudden that's a holy shit moment and now you know again if had finn won and priest does that then the whole group is wearing gold which and dominating and on all three shows and makes them look like an even bigger deal.
1: Great analogy. And again, many, many missed opportunities. I mean, Cody and Brock, yeah, you give Brock his vacation, whatever, that's fine. What do you do with Cody up to this point? Cody's red hot. Cody is the baby face they were trying to make Roman into to be the Superman, and it works. And I know I've said it before, I'm a huge fan now, especially um, if you haven't watched the Peacock documentary on him. It was actually really well done, I felt. We watched it Saturday before SummerSlam and i thought it was very enjoyable he comes off as a very down-to-earth type guy highly recommend there's clips and some fun interviews with people and
4: we've made this comparison a couple of times jokingly based on his ring gear what do you think the odds are you could pull an actual homelander with cody they put out the documentary make him look like this great guy And it turns out he's legit this total asshole that's been pandering and playing to the people while secretly hating every minute of it and them and have him turn heel and beat Seth for the title in a couple of months. You you can pull that off or do you think he's too far in the babyface side of things and the crowd is too into him that much of a concept
2: to be pulled off and made i would love to say it someday they can do it but i think like you said right now he's pretty white hot as a baby face unless they really want to piss people off which the is, you know wasn't was still in charge i could see him doing something weird like that but i don't think so
1: i personally think that's what they should have did to him in AEW.
0: yeah well that's what everybody was waiting for say this for wwe they've spent decades trying to not market what they're doing toward wrestling fans and trying to reach non-wrestling fans. And they actually did a good job of that. With that show, because Amy, who's not a wrestling fan, I mean, she doesn't like watch wrestling all the time or hardly ever at all. But she was like, "I'm coming back to watch the next one."
4: <laughs> that's, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, that's, that, reached, that great because that's what they need.
0: to fan emotionally, and that was really wild to see. As a total diehard fan, I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> it really does transcend wrestling.
3: And that's what they need to do: reach out and get people like her and drag them in.
1: Yeah. That's great. And that, and that's awesome. I mean, I'm glad you guys had that experience where you had somebody there. Unlike the rest of us, who are just old and like cranky.
0: And- you crotchety it's- old 35-year-old or whatever the hell you are. <laughs> I'm
4: just turned 38, fucker. Thank you. Oh, I, I thought he was talking about Zaha. <laughs> no, he's like 58. Yeah. He's-
3: <laughs> he does look much older than me, doesn't he? Yes, he does.
1: <laughs> he looks older by the day, man. Brockburn is really taking it out of him.
4: It's the <laughs> fact that he has no hair. That's the biggest thing. You know, for all the missed opportunities, booking wise, on this show, it was still a very good show overall. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was only one bad match, and that was Ronda and Shayna. You can't really, I mean, you can complain about finishes for a couple of matches, but you can't complain about the quality. Even as long as the main event drug on, I don't think it was a bad match. I mean, you could have cut 10 minutes out of it probably, and it would have been fine. But again, I don't, you don't know how much of that was impacted by Roman and what he was able to do. Yeah, it's
1: trudging along a little slower.
4: Yeah, if he got hurt 10 minutes into the match, I guess you could have called an all. But at the same time, I think he's a guy that is going to be like, no, we're going to go out. We're going to have the match we're supposed yeah. to have. It may just take us a little bit longer to get it done.
2: And I don't have to wrestle for another three months. I'm good. Right. Okay. I would say Gunther Drew, probably definitely my top five match of 2023, if not my favorite. I, I really, really enjoyed that. So that stole the show for me. You
1: know, I just felt that for some of the storylines they were telling, I mean, long term, yeah, I get it, but I. Always felt with SummerSlam being one of the big four that you should be wrapping up some storylines, and instead they're adding more layers to it, which I mean, I guess is fine.
2: Yeah, more closure.
3: You know, the only problem with having a heel champion, which is why they avoided it for so long, is you're not sending people home happy. Right. Every show, Roman is winning a screw job. You but know, I mean,
1: people aren't going home happy. To be fair, though, the last three shows, and I'd go back and count, have ended with fans going home happy. At Backlash, you had Cody going over Brock. At Night of Champions, you had KO and Sammy winning. And then at Money in the Bank, you had the Usos going over. So, I mean, three in a row is not bad. Of sending the people home happy off into the night onto the subways and metro stations not being angry. Here's the
4: thing. If you go back and you look at the start of the main event, you watch when Jay comes out and you watch the way that crowd is chanting and moving in unison, cheering for him. Yes. Well, you don't have that many opportunities like that where a crowd like that and behind your baby face and you just wasted one of them. Exactly. And I, I really, I think it was a mistake and I hope that, I hope they prove me wrong. I hope they tell an amazing story from this point on, but for the first time in this whole deal, I'm very skeptical of that.
1: Follow the rules of our boy, MVP Ron Gardner, always be closing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shout out to Ron Yes, we haven't talked about Ron for a while, so there's just
0: shout out to Ron.
4: And another shout out. I think what they should have done after watching the crowd for Jay's entrance, they should have hit the emergency stop button like Shane Hartman and <laughs> changed yes. <finish> and gone <laughs> with Jay over rope. As the guy works in a
0: in a plant that has lots of e stops and has to fix shit that breaks all the time in these places, hitting the e stops not good. <laughs> So yeah, shout out to Shane. What's up, buddy? Try not to hit that East i maintenance making guys on call tonight. Wrapped up SummerSlam here. Now we're going to move on to a favorite comic book of mine,
1: which was a really good Disney plus series called what if, and Mike brought it up a couple weeks ago that said, Hey, we should do a wrestling edition of this. So I know Mike has a few and I have one. I definitely want to hear what Mike says. Cause mine eh, might not be as involved.
4: My first one's kind of easy and it's a callback to one of the Crockett cup shows. And we touched on it briefly at that point. And it's, What if the Midnight Express had jumped to the WWF and Dennis Condry still leaves the team? Who do you replace Dennis Condry with from the WWF roster at that time in 87? So you can't go outside of the company because, you know, Vince is going to be like, that's just a tag team. We can slot somebody in there. Dennis left the Midnights six or seven days before WrestleMania 3. So that's your time frame. Who would you fill that spot with? I'll give you my answer first, give you guys time to think about it. What I would have done in that situation is instead of having Valentine and Bravo turn on beefcake, I have Valentine walk away during the match. Then, if you want to do a dream team, you could do the dream team with beefcake and bravo or you could have them have a falling out and still have beefcake spun off as a face but i would have instead of putting valentine in the tag team with dino bravo i'd put break the hammer Valentine with beautiful Bobby Eaton. And that's your new midnight express.
1: I have one question and it may pertain to some of the guys in mind. The answer does Cornette go with them?
4: Yes, that was the thing to set the stage. I think we talked about it on the Crockett yeah. cup episode, but in case anybody hasn't heard that they, the midnights and Cornette did have a meeting with Vince in either late 86 or early 87 about them coming in. And one of the big things that Vince kept pushing to them was the ljn figures and the money they could make off of those and the merchandising and that stuff was so foreign to them and they thought he was talking about dolls and they didn't understand it it didn't go anywhere but had they made that jump hot tag division from that point through 1990 very deep tag roster in the WWF.
0: i think i would choose coco beware since they were already a team in Memphis. They are apparently a great tag team in Memphis, too, from what I've seen and heard. So It would kind of be a throwback to the original Midnight Express with Norval Austin in it.
4: So would you turn Coco heel, or do you have Cornette and Eaton turn face somehow? I would think they would have
0: to be heels, man. Anybody with a manager's always got to be, and I mean, that's, if you don't bring the Midnights in as heels, why are you bringing them in, I think? But then, I mean, would their type of heat have gotten over like that in New York? I mean, because they were like another callback, like to what Jamie said on the Crockett shows, they were with with Dennis. They were dastardly and they were they were low down, man. And like, you know, fireballs and beating people with the racket. And, you know, they were low
4: down. (laughs) Well, maybe that's how you have Coco turn heel. You have. Cornette brag about how Bobby Eaton's so good, he could beat two guys at the same time, and you have Coco and someone teamed up, and during the match you have Coco take the racket, and you think he's going to hit Bobby, and he waffles his partner, and beats the guy down viciously. You know, like, smack Coco doesn't Frank. come out with Frankie. He's totally a different. A a
0: member also,
4: did you, did you just say to smack Frankie with the racket, <laughs> Bill? I imagine Cornette with Frankie on her shoulder, but that's even water. <laughs> My God, that bird has a family. <laughs> how, how strong was PETA in 1987? <laughs> Would this have been an issue? Don't the do world. shit you don't know how to do. Very with the bracket.
1: Well, once you know who won the parrot. Um.
4: <laughs> that brings a whole new meaning to Cornette parrots at that point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> So Jamie, who would?
3: Well, I just took a quick look at the WWF roster in 1987, and we're talking about February or March, correct, Mike? Right. Yeah. They got a guy that's sitting around doing nothing, basically.
1: Outback Jack?
3: No. (laughs) But that would be great. (laughs) Only Cornette could have gotten Outback Jack over. Exactly. How about he introduces Magnificent Mike Rotundo? Hey, there you go. He hadn't gone back to Florida yet. And he becomes the uh, tactician yeah. of the team. I like that. And Can he do a
0: body? He, he, he stays or...
3: around, and that affects a lot of things going forward.
0: What kind of sexy stripper dance moves does Mike do? <laughs> <laughs> Juggalo,
4: Juggalo, Jimmy. Would he do the neckerchief deal also, like Dennis did? Yes. Yeah, why not?
5: And
1: he keeps the same facial expression the entire time.
2: <laughs> yes, because he wants his real American theme back that was written. <laughs> Like, what the fuck tells you
4: piece of shit? I love that. Be...
3: So, Mike does the ground attack, and Bobby does the aerial. Yeah, I like
4: that. That would be pretty. Uh, it's a really good and, choice. And keeping yeah. Rotunda from having to cut promos?
0: Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, you got Cornette? I mean, exactly. Makes even
0: more sense. And it's easier, too, because you're pulling them off scrap heap. You don't even have to have a reason why. Right. you right. he's I mean, not
3: appearing much at that time. I mean, uh, Spivey's gone. Because yeah, with
0: Coco, you'd actually have to do an angle to turn him and stuff, you know?
3: Right, okay. and... And Rotundo, you know, just hadn't been on. You just bring him back as Magnificent Mike or Marvelous Mike since you haven't since Morocco's still around. And he's Magnificent Don Morocco at that point because we're yeah. leading into
1: WrestleMania 3.
4: He could yeah. be Loverboy Mike. He could just steal Dennis's get whole gimmick.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I knew who I'd pick. Hercules.
5: Yeah,
1: I like that. Hercules They're already
3: familiar with each other. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And Mike's going to pop when I tell him why I thought of this.
4: You get the early <laughs> powerplex. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Not the powerplex. No, no, no. Superplex into the Alabama Jam. Well,
1: that's why I was saying it would be the precursor to it with the Superplex into the Alabama Jam. But I thought okay. of you. You're the first person. First, uh, you, your, your pop was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, wait, that's
4: what they could do together. Stamp of approval. I'm all in on that. And can you jam. imagine
1: Hercules in those pink tights? <laughs> like sometimes, like, like Eaton and Stan would used to wear together, them walking around in those pink tights.
4: He would bring a totally different vibe to it because of the power. Yes. Totally different was- aspect to the team. Yeah, I like that.
1: You know, and again, him and Cornette are, and Bobby are familiar with each other from Mid-South. So, I mean, it, right. it would work. So then, imagine them taking on the Hart Foundation. Hercules and Bobby against Anvil and Brett. Yeah. You, Get you got the Bulldogs there on. at the same time. Strike Camp force, up. Yeah. There'd be a whole lot of drugs going on that ring between Hercules and Anvil. <laughs> but
2: <laughs> my team needs a little kosher. um I think we need a little ethnicity to my Midnight Express alternative, and I'm going to go with Barry Horowitz. Who, you know,
4: <laughs> has he been in very long? No, is he in Florida as Jack Hart at that point? I thought he came to the WWE by then. Yeah. I mean, like, he just came in from doing yeah. the Jack Yeah, he might
3: have just come in because yeah. Jack Hart was,
4: yeah. in, uh, in, was in
3: Crockett as late as Starkey. Yeah,
4: that's it. Because
3: a bunch of those Florida guys came in for Starkey.
4: Yeah, so that was my only question was, had he been a jobber on TV for a while? But if he hadn't, I think that's great.
0: According to the storyline, he was uh, a fresh graduate from the school of uh, Terry Garvin's self-defense. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one, Bill. I like that. It just would have worked, I think. It would be
2: interesting, and I can't even say why. I don't have a really good justification for it, except for being koshered up a little bit, Jimmy Cornett. Right, but, I mean, he's a good worker, guys. Too, he's a big dude, man. He is, you know. What I mean, yeah. so he would fit in good with that. But I don't know. It was just an interesting thing that popped in my head because I don't know brain damage. I guess
4: no, it's out of the box. I like it. Yeah, I I could
3: see it working too, especially if he hadn't been. Nobody's going to remember he was Jack. Hart uh not Jack Hart, uh Barry Hart going back to uh eighty two and eighty three as a job in the WWF. So it's very easy to bring him back. Oh yeah. Y- and what's you what's probably what's stay it? away from the Barry Hartowitz name and and maybe uh use the Jack Hart. Jumping so make- Jack jump a Jack Hart or Chig
0: Jack Hart.
2: Yeah, to get him kinda of right. <laughs> To make him in that expressie. Was uh, the
0: rookie Shane Douglas around at all at this point doing jobs?
2: He might have been because it was what, 80?
3: Yeah, he, he was still doing the Troy Martin gig. In 87, he's just starting in mid-South and then gets sucked in when Crockett
4: buys it. I think that's five legitimate good answers. Every one of those incarnations would have been different and interesting.
1: Yeah,
0: and that's a pretty wide open field. I mean, it's a great question.
1: And
3: Cornette could have got any of them over. Yep. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's and, like the common denominator of all those units is like the guy you're plugging in is a dude that's his downfall would be promos. No. And then you got Cornette there to cover it. I mean, odds
3: are they never win a tag team title because you're dealing with, you know, demolition and as we get in 87, Seven Demolition's going to win the belts. You still got the Bulldogs hanging around in the heart foundation and the bees and strike force and uh, the Rougeaus. You might not even get them to get a sniff of the belt.
1: And then you have Cornette and Frankie's <laughs> uh relationship.
3: And <laughs> the worst part about it all. If he goes into WWF, I might never get the chance to meet Jim
4: Cornette. That's true. There goes all my street cred.
1: <laughs> and John Fell never meets Jim Cornette. Therefore, this big black hole in the universe is open.
4: Yeah. Exactly. Everything happens for a reason. So they didn't go for a particular. Yeah. Yes. All right, Chris, let's hear your what if, and then we'll get to the other one I've got.
1: All right. So this is more of a I kind of fantasy book this, but I kinda of wanna hear what you guys think, especially in the long run of things. We were talking about SummerSlam past and we were talking about Razor and Diesel for the IC Belt ninety-four, right? What if Razor doesn't win the title back? What if there's shenanigans and a screw job? What if he wins it, but then him and Diesel trade it back and forth? Come Survivor Series time, Diesel is the intercontinental champion. Backlund beats Brett. Here's the what if question. What if Razor beats Backlund? and amassed square guard.
4: Well, then Scott Hall comes off the list of guys who should have been world champ. Well, He'll I never think that Well, yes, um, I
1: mean... Yeah, he's got to be the world champ. Yes, so Razor Ramon beats Bob back and gets the world title that he never got.
3: Is Razor a face by this point? I, yes. I'm kind of out of the game. Yeah, you know, I'm could.
0: following along, but I'm not... Yes. Backlund attention. was a heel, so he takes it from Backlund. He's got to be yeah. a baby face. But I just yeah, but think... I'm, I'm saying, was
3: he a face man. at this
1: time?
5: Yeah,
0: But does that make you turn Brett heel? Uh, not necessarily, because
1: Diesel turned, Diesel turned face pretty much right after... Because him and Sean have their falling out right at Survivor Series. So that completely negates that. But I still have. Do you guys want me to tell you how I played it out and see what you guys think? Or.
4: yeah Go ahead, because I've, I've got an idea.
1: So Razor wins. Razor goes on to have his rematch with Brett at Royal Rumble 95, calling back to two years earlier. Michael still wins the Rumble. However, Diesel's not happy because him and Diesel are the last two in. I'm kind of pulling history from a couple different points here. You get the finish to the 96 Rumble and the 95 Rumble. And Diesel's like, what the hell, dude? Next night, you introduce Sid. Sid takes out Diesel. Michael goes, you know... Him and Razor are going to main event WrestleMania 11. Michael says, Let's run it back. You beat me at WrestleMania last year. Let's run it back this year. Put that title up on a ladder. So you now have a double main event for WrestleMania 11, which is probably infinitely better than anything else we could have done. Triple if you still want to put LT and Bam Bam there. I have just made WrestleMania 11 a much better show. So you have that. And then I'm like, I'm kind of going a couple different places. Does Razor beat Sean? Does Sean beat Razor? But, and that's kind of why I want to go with you guys. What happens after that? Does Sean win the belt then? Or do you drag that storyline out, turn him face and have the boyhood dream thing later on? And will this affect Scott Hall and Kevin Nash jumping ship a
0: year later? I think if Scott Hall is the champion, babyface champion, he gets over big time. And that prevents Sean from getting there. And Sean is the guy that leads to go to Atlanta. <laughs>
1: that was something else I had kind of considered, too. I'm one of my parallel
0: universes. <laughs> Razor was that good that he could have, if you had, he got that spot with Vince's push he would have took it to another level because he had the size that Vince liked he could work I mean, do the promo. And arguably number two or three babyface
1: in the company at that point, depending how you put Brent Undertaker, so...
3: And I mean, with the whole... If I'm remembering correctly during this time period, the whole purpose of putting the title on Nash was really to step him up to that next level, where you already have Ramon at that next level, but that would take him to the new stratosphere. I'm agreeing with you, but we might not see Shawn Michaels back in the title picture because I, I could see him being that, not Hulk Hogan-like, but I could see him Ultimate Warrior like in popularity.
1: Here I thought you were gonna say he held Vince up for more money, got fired before the moment he, <laughs> he stepped back through the curtain.
3: No, I don't think those guys jump. if so, He's the champ and get the long run with it. Yeah, maybe Sean does,
1: but because uh, you could I don't run Razor and Sean again as a program. Because I mean, the program in '94 was fantastic. Too plus,
3: short. Plus, plus with Razor on top, you've already resigned him. You're not getting to
1: that. You know, and then you have him feud with the winner of Diesel and Sid. You have Brett still in the picture. You have a lot going on that I think would have made 95 more successful if you're the proven guys opposed to Kevin Nash.
4: Exactly. I agree with you. There are two ways you can go with this. Razor wins the title from Backland. He's the face. Brett turns heel and does the anti-American stuff two years early. Because you have him come out and say, you stupid American fans are cheering for this guy who's supposed to be a drug dealer. This is your hero. This is who you cheer. And you could play that out if you want to go that route with it. And I think it could work, Brett, because that's the most interesting Brett ever was. (laughs) At any point in his career was the anti-American stuff and I think it could have worked and he still would have been a face in Canada still would have been a face in Europe if it was a draw over there for you I don't think it would have hurt that at all and it would have provided a good foil for Razor you could have gone that way you can still do Razor and Sean at some point maybe that's at SummerSlam now instead of Mania Mania is probably Razor to Spending against heel, Brett, Summerslam, you get Razor and Sean. You got Owen in this mix too. Right. Yeah, see the there you go. Razor being champion gets him to that little bit higher pay level. He shows that he can can carry the company. And he doesn't have that grievance to leave and go to WCW a year later because that was his big thing. He went to Vince and he's like, How do I get to the next level? What do I need to do in your eyes to be that world champion? And Vince is like, I don't see you as that. You there, you can't get there. And that's when Hall's like, Okay, I'm gonna go make more money down south. And you don't you can't blame the guy. He was worried about providing for his family. So With that gone, does Michael Hickenbottom come out of the crowd on Nitro and do the you-know-who-I-am-but-you-don't-know-why-I'm-here bit instead of Hall? Do you still get the NWO, but in that version... Has Sean been made a big enough star in WWF prior to leaving that maybe he goes over Hogan at some point? You know, you turn Hogan back face and have those two.
0: Are you telling me we get Michaels versus Sting? I mean, does Nash go with or does Nash stay with Hall in New York? Right.
4: But here's the other side of the coin. They do all this. Razor gets up into the main event level. Sean's in the main event. Diesel's in the main event. Is Brett the one that gets squeezed out?
0: Actually got Taker in the main event too.
4: Because now you've got the click running, all three of the four of them running at the main event title picture level instead of just Nash and Sean up there. Now Hall's up there too. Does Brett see the writing on the wall and think, they're going to continue to work with each other and work in Taker, and eventually they're going to pull in Triple H to that group. Do I have a place here in the hierarchy, or do we have Bretton and Owen leading a Heart Foundation invasion for the NWO angle?
1: And hell, in 95, you could take Davey Boy with you.
4: Right. That's what I'm saying. You come in, maybe it's Brett and Davey to start instead of and, Hall and Nash, and, and, and those
0: have- two open are your three. Does that move prevent Pillman's accident, too?
1: I was just about to say, if you have the Heart Foundation, would you mean that the Horsemen are now faces against the Hearts?
4: Yeah, because do you even do the NWO, or do you do it as like the Heart Foundation? I mean, you couldn't do Heart Foundation because I'm sure that was trademark. Yeah, you can come up with some kind of name related to Stampede somehow, something, and you have Brett and Owen and Davey and Pillman, the Dungeon and- Rats. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, something. I mean, you could still call him the New World Order, but maybe you don't have Hogan involved.
1: You call him the eh World Order. Because yeah. most someone from Canada, Mr. Mn Yeah, well, they
4: you know, would have never been
3: as cool as uh, Razor and right, um, uh, and Diesel. Thus, Hogan doesn't want to join them. Right. Hogan wasn't going to let anybody out do right. it. That's why he jumped
4: in on that. He's out of bull. Just squash it. <laughs> and then, but then we finally get Brett Hogan when Brett's still more in his peak. And a motivated Brett versus Sting.
1: And, right. and then somehow everybody still turns on Sting. Um because this is the way we do things.
4: Oh, everybody turned on Dusty. It was it's the same formula. You could align Savage with them instead of Hogan being the one to turn. That would have been a lot easier to swallow. Savage. Savage turns and then you've got Sting, Luger, and Hogan versus Brett, Davey, and Savage or Brett Owen and Savage, however you want to play it. I mean, I don't know that it I don't know that it would have had the legs without Hogan in the group, Hogan's gonna squash the group eventually.
3: Eventually. And we uh, never get Eric Bischoff. He he stays as the horrible
4: announcer he was. But maybe we get a longer run from WCW because they don't run the company into the ground by running the NWO two years past its expiration date. You
1: don't get Starcade 97. You don't get the finger Do. doom.
4: Right. You get you get Hogan Brett at Starcade, or you have Hogan be hurt. You know, Brett takes the title off Hogan earlier in the year and Hogan's injured. They beat him down, and you have Sting versus Brett at Starrcade. Yeah. Where Sting wins the title.
1: And this even kind of took a little further now. That's why I love that we had this conversation, because this spirals into much deeper thinking than I originally went. But I love it. And I think just because we had the conversation about Scott Hall not reaching that next level. Right. That would change.
3: But But there's no way Brett beats Hogan, because Hogan's not laying down for anybody
5: brother brother that
3: for me, brother <laughs> it, i mean he he wasn't uh, then again maybe bischoff uh cuts hogan loose because hogan wasn't over as a face it, it was, Jamie,
1: are you telling me that somebody's gonna roll me up from behind brother
3: uh, nobody gonna roll him up from behind that
2: might have been the match but that wasn't hell this was gonna end hogan's charmed bischoff from jump you know what i mean he still loves him to death bischoff does i don't know if the feeling's mutual anymore but
4: maybe hogan goes off and makes a movie for a little while
2: yeah
4: or yeah. he drops is the belt is that I what it made to natty he drops the belt. And knowing he's going to come back and get the title because he's got
0: of control, brother. So without the NWO, does he ever turn heel? And if he doesn't, then I think you got to turn Sting heel.
1: Was Thunder in Paradise still on in 95, 96? And yeah, it was the
0: lead-in to the first Nitro. It, it only lasted
1: okay. a year. So at least 95. So yeah, so Hogan could have just went on and filmed Thunder in Paradise. You have Brett come in as his character from Lonesome Dove interrupting in his <laughs> little hat and his cowboy boots. <laughs>
4: He could have rode in on a horse. He could have been Cowboy Bret Hart after all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he up in a boat with a midget. Cheat him the Angry Midget or whatever his name was. Harley Race.
3: Hey, guys, I know a midget.
1: I said it happened at the
3: <laughs> A matter of fact, when I used to hang out, I'm sorry to go away from the topic here, but when I used to hang out with Dennis Carluzzo, he got into, do you remember Dwarf Chucky?
0: Yeah, very much.
3: Dennis was promoting Dwarf Chucky at a country bar in South Jersey that was like a scene out of uh, the Blues Brothers. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 and well, that's amazing. The, the, the midget that he was using was a guy called Frank Third Degree Burns. He is a wrestler. And I, I forget how much Dennis was charging people to get involved in the, uh, the dwarf chucking. <laughs> But the the winners, the guy that won it each week was always one of Dennis's workers, whether it had been Chief Thunder Mountain or uh, the Giant Leprechaun. They were the guys that actually won because Frank knew how not to let people throw him far. And when these guys came up, he let them throw him as far as they can. And they were just getting their hundred hours for the night, just probably even less than that knowing Dennis. But they were just getting paid like they were working a show. And Dennis is, you know, collecting 25, 50 bucks, whatever the entry. He was, and then paying off. That's amazing. I should probably give that a try. I mean, I got the perfect small man. Now Could you, can you see me throwing Zaha <laughs> like twenty five <laughs> feet with you guys right there to cheer <laughs> me on? I don't think I'd have a frown.
1: You, uh, you, you just line him up first, Zaha, uh, and then Steven Javorski. I mean, come on.
2: Is he a little guy, too? Aaron Kraft. He's pretty than him.
3: Line them all up, but Zaha goes first. He can even wear his glasses for, you know, to help with the wind going through his eyes. I can chuck him a good 25, 30 feet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to derail where you
1: guys were. No, no, no. no, that no, was, no, no, no. Uh, now that's all I'm going to think of is you chucking Zaha through
4: the air. Uh, and I need you guys there. You guys would be there to support me. We got to measure it. The image I have of you throwing Zaha across Bob's country bunker from <laughs> Blues Brothers is amazing. <laughs> right into the chicken wire up by the yeah. state. <laughs> right into the
3: chicken wire. And, and they can play rawhide as I'm doing it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: amazing <laughs> but hey
3: that's right the blues brothers are from chicago this works out perfect. And, they,
1: and they still have a lot of stuff there from the movie like there's a whole monument set up to the film in chicago
3: well, maybe we could do blues brothers
5: 2024
3: <laughs> in and, and, and film it right there and have the zaha chucking contest
1: <laughs> we're on a mission from jamie <laughs> It's a shame Ray Charles
4: has passed on. That's all I'm going to say. Here's my other what if I've got. What if Zaha was two inches taller? No. So in 1989 at SummerSlam, it's all kind of ties together here. The Hart (laughs) Foundation lose the non-title match to the Brain Busters. We talked about this on the SummerSlam retrospective show. Apparently, according to his book, after that, Brett went to Vince and complained about the money he was making. And Vince basically told him, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. So he had run into Pillman backstage at a show in Cincinnati, and Pillman said he would have Flair get in touch with him because Flair was in charge of the booking committee at that point. Flair makes him an offer of $200,000 a year and your travel expenses. Cut. When he calls to talk to Jim Hurd, Hurd hands him off to Jim Barnett. Barnett offers him one hundred and fifty-six dollars which wasn't much more than Brett was making and in brett's opinion it was barnett trying to save some money to look good to herd keep his job let's say brett jumps in 1989 to wcw what do you do with him if i'm wcw
0: ruin yeah. him like they did everything else at the time <laughs> i mean what else would you do with a guy that's good
4: i meant a, a more specific plan of how you would ruin <laughs> him i guess drew my bad <laughs>
0: I don't know, probably break him in in like the TV title picture, get him used to being around the guys, get him working with Arn. get him working with Bobby and Mike Rotunda. Rick Steiner was in the TV title picture at the time. Bobby so, was still in the tag team.
4: So what month are we talking here that he would have jumped? This would have been like August or September that he was talking to Vince. So so he's jumping would, right after SummerSlam? I'm, I'm guessing Stark, maybe. Because I don't think they had 90-day no-competes back then. So I want to say he's in maybe by Halloween Havoc. Okay. Definitely by Starcade. I would say.
3: I don't think he gets a big push. I think he's mid-card, and like you guys are saying, in with the maybe and with the TV title mix. He might not even be that high up on the card in the beginning. I mean, he might be teaming up with Captain Mike Rotundo at that point.
0: He's like a Canadian Brad Armstrong. Yeah. He'll be
1: doing NWA Pro against Ranger Ross.
3: It was total luck that Vince ever gave him a push to begin with because... Because if they didn't have the steroid trial, you know, he probably doesn't get bumped up the card. There was nothing about his personality at that time. I'm not anti-Bret Hart. He just wasn't anything at the time. Like, who posted that yeah. thing about uh, which one of these four champs goes?
4: But yeah, Brandon posted that.
3: It's, it's very easy. Bret Hart isn't in the class of those guys. Even as a WWF yeah. champion, he never was yeah. that level. The whole thing about him being the best there is, the best there was, the best or ever will be is bullshit. I, yeah. I mean, if, if you look back, he, he, he's not the best. Yeah, he would... He was great.
0: Canadian Bob Backlund. Yes, there you go. They knew how how to book Backlund already as a champion, so they're like, okay, we can do it with this Canadian Bob Backlund.
3: Yeah, I mean, they did a good job. They got him over, but he was at the Austin level.
0: He was safe.
4: Yeah, he was a safe pick. So my thought is, you bring him in because according to Brett, and again, this is according to Brett's book, because I got it out and looked it up today. He said Flair was very effusive in his praise of Brett's work. Talked about how fantastic he was. If that that's true if Flair really was a mark for Brett. Because he said Kevin Sullivan even told him that Flair was a mark for him. If that's true, I bring Brett in as part of the four horse along with Arn and Wyndham. That's what I was gonna say. And I use Brett as the T V champ level guy. Like Drew said, you start him there with a TV title run. You let Arn and Wyndham work as a tag team. That means no Sid in the Horseman. And you build Brett from that point because now you've brought him in in his first singles run. When I first came up with this idea, I thought there was a point when Brett was IC champ that he was talking about going to WCW. But I couldn't find that in his book. And maybe that's just been a rumor that actually didn't happen. But I thought there was like concern from Vince of Brett leaving with the IC title. Yeah, that was the when he dropped it to the mounty. Right. See, but Brett doesn't mention that. I at least looking in the index for mentions of WCW, I didn't see that in there. So that was the story I had always heard. And that was what I was originally going to go with as this second what if idea that I had was what if he went then? Because then he had a singles run and something more to build on. But if he went here in eighty nine, he he's just been a tag wrestler and only been a face for about a year, year and a half. So it wouldn't be a big deal to turn him back heel in the horseman. He would fit. As far as work rate with Rick, Arn, and Barry, no problem.
5: The
3: only problem with that is. You'd have to wait until 90 to actually debut him because the horsemen aren't back together yet. Arn doesn't come in until January. Right. And Barry Windham's long gone. He's in WWF and who knows where he's at by that point. He was back early after that. He, he, he doesn't return until later in 90. I thought it was by like March or April. I thought it was closer to Halloween Havoc when he comes back with the haircut. But I mean, I know he was already back by that point, but I thought it was later in the year. But still, even March or April, you don't have that cage Match where they turn on Sting because Sting's a Horseman when you come January. Oh, well, you could you could Sting, go ahead. and yeah. Oli and
4: Arn. Right, you could go ahead and have Brett in the group instead of like Ole. But he's gonna and, have to
3: be a face until the right, the full and then term.
4: and then you turn him. And I don't think it would be a big deal to turn him heel at that point. You know, turning on Sting like that because he hadn't been a face for three or four years with fans really behind him. If he jumped in, like, 92 was IC champ.
3: Even at that point, they're not acknowledging their WWF stars when they come in. I mean, even Bigelow didn't – should have been a bigger star when they brought him in at the end of 88 or early 89, whenever it was. They never really gave him that monster push that he should have gotten. I mean, so to me, that's their – the only problem with Brett, that they're not – acknowledging the WWF guys until they get another year later when the N89 beginning of 90 when JYD comes in and Orndorff comes in and we get the dudes with attitudes all that and Jake comes in then then you're starting to acknowledge the the greatness of guys that are out of the NWA
1: so would Doug Dillinger help Brett blow his knee out then too? (laughs) Well, maybe maybe
4: that doesn't happen then. I don't know.
3: Well, I'm just talking about the timing. You know? right. If he comes in, he probably mid-card push, like you're saying, with the TV title and stuff, and then maybe he eventually evolves into the Horseman. Yeah,
4: I just, I, I mean, in that early off a of tag run, I don't think there's anybody you team him up with as a tag team. I would bring him in as, because you could, you could acknowledge his heritage and everything, being a second-generation star. That's something Jim Ross would play up big on commentary, you know, talking mm-hmm. about. Stew in the dungeon, and you bring him in that way, and like have him aligned with Flare and Sting against JTEX.
3: Or you can even bring Owen with him, because Owen's floating back and forth between Japan and, you know, not really committed to WWF at that point. You can have your little heart brother.
0: After 91 that Owen came in and was doing TVs.
3: Right, he came in for a short bit.
4: Yeah, after the Blue Blazer run was
3: over, right? Right.
0: I believe it was the Rocket.
3: I mean, I'm not poo-pooing him, like, I'm just, right. just saying that you couldn't jump to it they'd have to wait a little bit to get him into the horseman mix. But he would have fallen into the horseman mix. He could wrestle very well.
0: If Brett would have been in Atlanta in 89, he would have been sitting there outside of the Atlanta Falcons training facility watching a young NFL player by the name of Bill <laughs> Goldberg eat a piece like of corn on the cob the long way <laughs> and look on in amazement and wonder if he's been doing it wrong all these years.
4: Owen came <laughs> in in March of 91 but was back, looks like by the end of 91 in WW.
3: And the Blazer run was over in 89.
4: Yeah, it ended in 89, and he was in New Japan in 90 and in Germany.
3: Yeah, so maybe he plops back and forth between uh, WCW and Japan.
4: Yeah, it would have really changed the landscape of pro wrestling in the 90s.
3: You bring him in and throw him with Cornette and make him the third member of the Midnight Express.
4: <laughs> Bombastic Brett. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We could have got that shit out of the way early.
4: Well, they had the six-man titles back in, what, 90? They brought them back. 88 88 in the World Wars with Dusty. During the
0: bench press contest
4: era. Right. They went on the shelf then until... What was it? Tommy Rich and... Ricky Morton and JYD. Yeah, and that was like 90. Oh, I
3: forgot all about Tommy Richards in that TV title. So, Tommy came back in good shape in 89.
1: Yeah. Although, Jamie, not the shoot boy thunder, I hear you've been talking about him on another podcast a couple years earlier. Oh,
3: yeah. He's all fired up. And <laughs> in matter of fact, the next episode of that podcast that I'll be recording, which we'll cover later on, will be the Tommy Rich. Biggest thing that ever happened to him in his life. And I'm not talking about throwing broken beer bottles at my car there (laughs) homeless (laughs) people. <laughs> or not? Is that one on the list for when do we do story time with Uncle Jamie? Do you know that one? I don't. No. Oh, well, we will save that for story time. oh yeah, Wow. And the story involves him and Bobby Eaton. Interesting. Not Uncle Bobby. Uncle Bobby, nicest guy
1: I ever met. In wrestling. I believe it. And then so. yeah,
3: yeah, we'll, we'll save that story for the story time edition. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think everybody has said that Bobby Eaton is like the nicest guy in pro wrestling history. Hands
3: down. And right up there is the dirty white boy and the dirty white girl. They're in the top five I've ever met. As
4: long as it's not Bob Cook. (laughs) That's Mac's favorite. I think we'll probably bring the what if thing back a couple of times. I've got some other things here. There's one specifically that Daggs wants to be a part of because it was something he and I discussed at length after we recorded what will be the next episode after this one airs, where we discuss discontinued fast food and snack food items from the eighties and nineties. We talked out this one specific, uh, what if idea, and I know he wants to be on when we do it. So I'm saving that one. I have a
3: what if. Awesome. Modern day wrestling. What if Roman? Human Reyes never comes back from that leukemia. Ooh. And calls it a career. I mean, we don't even have to answer it this time. That's one everybody can chew on.
4: We can discuss that one more in depth on the next what if show, because that's going to take some research. But yeah, that's a really good one. I'm gonna It just you.
3: popped in my mind. That's awesome. Yeah,
4: I like that. So do we want to do the go home here? Yeah. After a night of wrestling talk,
1: SummerSlam recaps, we've done some what ifs, which were a lot of fun. You know, we're looking forward to doing that again. So as we're around the corner this week, we're going to go around the horn here for our plugs. Before we do, I want to give a shout out to everybody that commented on our last episode about the music we've gotten a lot of good compliments on that a lot of love on that and just want to say thank you guys for listening thanks to steven again for being on love to have him back
0: Alright boys, take it away Alright, speaking of Stephen and Rafel, We want to give a shout out to Luna Worldcast Who are fronted by his daughter Taylor Who are a phenomenal band And if they're in your area, check them out And you can find them at LunaWorldcast.com Get you some merch They have a Patreon where you can watch their shows live So check them out And you can also take a look at our buddies Shoreline Gems If you're looking for some unique A unique piece of uh, beach glass jewelry It's really cool stuff Go over to their page on Facebook, hit that like and follow button check them out and when they get to 200 followers they're going to do another duck race giveaway on the other ship Invite all your friends to like their page and hit the follow button for them. Let's get them some help and some numbers and grow that business for them. And also, we want to give a shout out to the returning What's the Vibe podcast gals. Katie and Amy, welcome back. They had a great show on Monday. It was a good one. You guys should check it out if you're into true crime. It was a really good episode. Their next episode is going to be about thruples, I believe is what they're calling them. It looks like it's going to be like more crime stuff. (laughs) Or of passion. There you go. Check out friends wherever you podcast. What's the vibe with Katie and Amy? Check them out. You can even see them on YouTube, which I recommend. It's really cool. They do an audio and video version of their show. So check them out and we'll throw it over to you, Mike.
4: All right. We also want to give a shout out to Benji Fido and his only gold Saturday night show on WCKM 98.5. You can listen to Benji on the WCKM website or on the WCKM app on your mobile device every Saturday night night from 6 to 11 p.m. Benji plays requests from you, the listeners. You can ask Benji to play a deep cut of a band that you like if you don't have a particular song in mind. It's always a good time, always fun. Benji's one of the nicest guys you could ever possibly meet, so support him. We also want to give a shout out to the Not Another Sports podcast, NASPOD with Jason D'Agostino and his best friend David. They cover general sports and they have an interesting perspective on things, so give them a listen We also, of course, our esteemed guest here this week, Jamie Ward. Jamie, you want to talk about your show?
3: Well, before I talk about my show, I want to talk about my friend Ray Russell. Ray runs the Russell Copia Podcast Network, and he has two big shows currently airing on that network. The first one is the Wrestling Memory Grenade. This week, he put out episode number 99. This current project that he's doing there is 1987 WWF, and this show covers October of 87, and coming out next week or the following week, episode episode 100, which is a big milestone will be coming out and Ray's going to have some uh, special guests appearing on that show and I can tell you that the uh, first guest is John McAdam of Stick to Wrestling. You get a really? chance to check out Ray's Wrestling Memory Grenade and then there's also Ray's Regional Wrestling Podcast just last week he released one with our buddy Roman Gomez and they're currently covering 1986 UWF. I believe this last one is the lead up to the Crockett Cup and their next episode will be covering the Crockett Cup and then Ray also does another regional wrestling radio podcast uh, where he covers Georgia in 1981 and I'm his co-host for that one. So join Ray and I will be recording this weekend and have a new one out next week and as earlier mentioned tonight about Tommy Rich we'll be covering the biggest night in Tommy Rich's life when he wins the NWA World Heavyweight Championship and the lowest point in his life when he loses it back to Harley Reese. So if you're a hardcore fan, join in for both of the regional wrestling podcasts. Uh, they're totally different The one that I do with Ray on Georgia, we do a real deep dive. We cover the TV shows and every house show and, of course, the big Omni shows. We really break it down. And then his show with Roman and covering Mid-South, they more or less cover all the TV, the Power Pro show, the regular show, and the Houston show with Paul Walsh. And they go over matches and he plays bits from those shows. And uh, him and Roman have a great uh, rapport going back and forth. So I know I'm just long-winded, but... Please give them a listen. And of course, listen to the other ship every week, whether I'm here or not. These guys are holding down the fort. It's their show. I'm just here to help out.
4: Take what I have. My we pleasure. Want, we also want to give a shout out to our boys, the Josephines. You can find everything you need to know about the Josephines at the Josephines.net. Get your merch, your albums, CDs, stickers, t-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs. Check their website for their touring schedule. If the guys come anywhere near you, go check them out. Show them some love. They are amazing. they're an amazing band can't wait to have them back on in the near future I think that covers all of our plugs I do want to give a shout out to our good friend Russell Rollerson as he's recovering from some health issues I talked to him a little bit yesterday sounds like everything's okay and he's getting better so just keep on fighting the good fight buddy we love you we all can't wait to see you next year hopefully I'll get to see you in November knock on wood keep at it much love to Bruce and Cindy we forgot Cindy last week so much love to Bruce and Cindy as Bruce is battling back from a major health issue earlier in the year and he's making amazing recovery posting fantastic looking food keeping us updated on all the important holidays that people don't tell you about and that you don't get a day off from work like National Root Beer Float Day and National Hot Pudge Sunday Day things that you should get time off work for and you don't but you need to know as Stevie Ray used to say "Suckers gotta know
0: sometimes it just bees like that
4: that's right Bruce keeps us informed of all that important information
0: now also shout out to everybody's big brother, Stephen Burrow, who's on the recovery trail, also getting better. Love you, Steve.
4: Shout out to Mothes on the recovery trail.
0: Absolutely. Love and a mm-hmm.
1: shout out to Shane Hartman, who thankfully is not on the unemployment train because of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, fire up the struggle bus.
4: <laughs> All I've got on my list here, guys. Bill, you got anything? Anything we missed?
0: I will say, check out our uh, T Public storefront page. Check out a sticker, a T-shirt, a coffee mug. You can get a picture of an internet legend on a T-shirt. <laughs> check and it we,
4: out. We may have a new photo that we can make it onto shirt. I don't know. It's a possibility. That they, would probably make a really good postcard. I bet a nice eighteen by twenty-four canvas to hang in your house.
1: Uh, <laughs> a, and you have a coffee mug and have it stare back at you every single day while you're enjoying your favorite hot beverage.
4: While you're on Tee Public, after you check out our store and buy some things, put a few things from the WrestleCopia store in your cart. Support Ray and Jamie and Roman that way, too, besides listening to their podcasts. That's
1: right. Including the special 8x10 Jamie Ward photos that he will sign for you at any appearance you see him at. <laughs>
4: And I won't even charge. <laughs> yep. True man of the people, Uncle Jamie yeah, is. You see that heel turn hasn't completed yet, or you'd be charging money.
3: Yeah, not You're yet. Free. I'm close. I'm close.
4: <laughs> now it should be his life
1: post retirement. So
4: yeah, I think that wraps everything up here, guys. So aloha from the Sunshine State.
1: But you live in Indiana.
4: Smoke <laughs> weed <read> every day. <laughs> <laughs> Expressed by William Merriweather don't represent the other ship or the other hosts of the other ship. We don't condone hitting parrots with tennis rackets. Unless they're humans parroting views of others. Then swing away. I just sat on
2: my balls, bitches.